Hear now and give attention to God's word in Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far, abun- far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. We're continuing today in our study of Paul's letter, the Ephesians, and, and we've seen, if you've been with us over these past weeks, that it is a book rich in the truths of the gospel, a book which, whose purpose is to, is to remind us and teach us of the unsearchable and inexhaustible treasures of God's grace and the blessings that we have in Christ and the, the change that occurs in the life of the recipients of that grace by faith. In Christ, And in the first, first three chapters, Paul opens the lid, so to speak, to reveal uh, the, the treasure chest of spiritual riches. In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. We are chosen by God from before the foundation of the world. We are, we are adopted in love as his sons and daughters. We are redeemed by his blood and forgiven of our sins. We are enlightened to to understand the mystery of His will and purpose. And we are raised and seated with Christ in the heavenlies and made heirs of His kingdom. Paul reminds us all of this is the work of God's grace and His, His resurrection power at work in us through Christ to bring us from spiritual life, spiritual death to life, from being slaves to sin and Satan to being, to being raised as sons and daughters and set free with Christ. From being objects of God's wrath to being recipients of His kindness. In all this, God has reconciled us to Himself and He has reconciled us to one another. Christ Himself being our peace, having, having destroyed the wall of hostility and the barrier that separates us, and now made Jew and Gentile one together in Christ. One people, one family, one body in whom God Himself dwells by His Spirit. And through whom, as we heard last week, His, His multifaceted manifold wisdom and His grace are revealed and on display to be proclaimed to all creation. A wealth of blessings that's too, too great to fully comprehend. And as I thought about all these, all these wonderful, glorious, unsearchable truths, the mystery which Paul has, has been at, at pains to reveal to us and pour forth so powerfully in this letter, an image came to my mind. If you've ever been to the little kids area in a water park, you know, or one of those, those splash pad playgrounds, oftentimes they have this, this big giant bucket that holds 
you know, hundreds of gallons of water, and there's a, there's a spout going into it, and it's, it's filling that bucket up. And water flows out of that pipe, and, and as the bucket fills up to the top, it, it's on a swivel, and slowly it begins to tip as it fills up. And, and that bucket gets closer and closer to tipping, and, and usually there's a, a group of, of kids, sometimes big kids like me, Standing there waiting expectantly, embracing ourselves, bracing yourself for the, the, the gush and the rush of refreshing water to pour over your body. And the bucket empties out. And then it goes back and it's filled again to overflowing and it turns over again. And the purpose of that, the filling of that bucket is to have it overflow, to have it dump out literally in a powerful outpouring and an exhilarating experience onto those below. And this image came to my mind because the the riches and the blessings of God which abound to us in Christ, they are not just just treasures of of information to be stored up in the confines of our mind or somehow theoretically as, as something we believe that's out there but don't experience. They are powerful realities. That are, to be, that are to be literally poured out and overflow in our hearts and, our, and powerfully experienced by us and by others through us in our lives. And Paul was keenly aware of this. He knew the importance of, of doctrine. He knows that, that what God has revealed to us about himself and, and about Christ and about salvation, it needs to be proclaimed. It needs to be understood. It needs to be taken in and believed. And that is why almost like all of his letters, just like this one, begin with, with doctrine, with, with laying out who God is and what he has done in Christ. And that truth, that information revealed in his word, it, it needs to flow through the, the connection of the Holy Spirit and pour into our minds and be received and believed. But it, for it just to remain there is not sufficient. We can fill our minds with God's truth, but if that truth doesn't doesn't overflow, doesn't transform our lives and how we live, then we are more like a a stagnant storage tank than an ever-filling, ever-overflowing bucket of grace. And so who we are in Christ will manifest itself in how we live for Christ, or better yet, how Christ lives through us. Which is why, once again, Paul breaks into prayer for his readers. Paul knows from personal experience that it's one thing to know God's truth, but it's quite another thing to to have that truth in in the person of Jesus literally knock him off his feet and transform transform him into an overflowing vessel of that truth. And so Paul's prayer here at the end of chapter 3, it kind of serves as a, a transition in this letter from what God has done for us in Christ to what we are to do for God through Christ. And for the rest of this letter, Paul is going to be showing us how the the vast riches of God's grace overflow into and through every single area of our lives. And this amazing prayer here, and it's truly an amazing prayer, it's kind of like the tipping point on that big bucket 
where Paul is, is asking God to strengthen us, to, to brace us, to enable us to be filled and, and, and washed over and overflow with this powerful surge of his love and his grace and his holiness. Indeed, he says to be filled to the fullness with God himself. And it's important to see that such an outpouring begins with prayer. I can sit here and preach for hours on end. You can read the Bible for, from cover to cover. Our heads can be filled to the brim with sound doctrine. But if we are not on our knees like Paul, if we are not coming to the Father who has made us as his children and whose name we bear along with, with all the family of faith throughout time and place, if we're not coming to him, and seeking His strength, we run the risk of mastering the truth without ever being mastered by the truth. And, do we, and we do not just need God to enlighten the eyes of our heart to the riches of His grace as Paul prayed back in chapter 1. We need Him to strengthen and, and enable our hearts to believe and to receive the overflow of that grace. So we need to come bowing our, our knee in prayer before the Father to whom we have access together through Christ, and we need to ask Him to pour His grace out upon us according to the riches of His glory. And God has limitless resources which He loves to bestow on His children. And so let's look here at Paul's prayer, which at its core is really a prayer for strength. Verse 16, Paul prays that according to the riches of His glory, your heavenly Father would grant you to be strengthened with power. And then in verse 18, that you may have strength, literally that you would have, have be strong enough, have power enough. And again in verse 20, according to, to God's power at work in us, Paul prays that we would be strong Christians, strong disciples. Not in terms of physical power, not in terms of, of the skills we might have, but in terms of, of spiritual strength. When a baby is born... Parents, what is it that you desire? You want them to grow strong. You do everything you can to, to strengthen your children physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And likewise, when, when we are born again by God's Spirit and adopted into His family in Christ, that's not the end of the journey. That is the beginning of the journey. We have a lot of growing to do. And for that, Paul says, we need the ever-strengthening power of God through His Spirit in our inner being. So Paul is not praying that, that you would have strong, healthy, able bodies, though God does care and is concerned about our bodies, but that God would by His Spirit come and strengthen, reinforce your soul. Our bodies will all reach a point where they will begin to lose strength. They will grow weak. And eventually they will waste away. But Paul says, and the Bible says, inwardly our souls are being renewed and strengthened day by day by the power of God. So let me ask you something. Do you pray for God to strengthen you spiritually? I think all of us don't have a problem praying for God to strengthen us materially or, or, or physically or emotionally. But what about fortifying us inwardly? Through his spirit. We can easily be content to be spiritual weaklings. 
standing back and marveling at God's grace from afar. Maybe, maybe satisfied to get a little splash or sprinkle of it in our lives every now and then, but not knowing, not experiencing the overflowing, strengthening power He has for us. And so like Paul, we need to pray for ourselves and for one another that God would strengthen us with His power. Now why do we need to pray for such strength? Paul gives three reasons here in this prayer. First, he says we need to, we need to have strength to experience and to trust Christ dwelling in us. Paul prays for God to strengthen us with power through His Spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. You say, wait a minute, I thought he's writing to Christians. And he is. Those who, who already have the Spirit of God and, and Christ in them. But the key here is in the word to dwell. There are two words used in the New Testament, used to speak of one dwelling or taking up residence. One of them, the word skenao, is used of a person who comes to, to dwell or, or live temporarily, such as a, a, a guest visiting or someone living in a, in a tent. It's the word used of Jesus in John 1.14 when, when John tells us that Jesus, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, tented among us. He came to live for a time among us. The other word, the one which Paul uses here, speaks of, of moving in, of settling down to stay, of, of taking up permanent residence. And when Christ comes into our lives by faith, He's not just here, there for a temporary visit. He's moved in. He has, he has set up house, if you will, in our lives. He's not there just as an occupant, but He is there as an owner for life. Now you know that someone doesn't just move into your house and take over without certain change occurring. <laughs> and when Jesus moves in, powerful change occurs. And we need to be, we need to be strengthened by God's Spirit to, to trust, to have faith, to, to believe in Christ for that transformation. Sometimes that change brings confusion. I've talked with people who are who are new to the faith, they're young in the faith, and they've just come to know Christ, and, and suddenly they, they have all these questions and, about things that they don't understand. And these questions can sometimes create doubt, and they worry that perhaps they, they don't really believe or they can't really be Christians if they don't work all these things out and get it figured out. And I try to encourage them that Christ doesn't come into a life and suddenly, boom, you've got it all figured out. Life is great and, and everything's taken care of. There's a process of maturity. There's a process of, of growth. You don't start your infant child out on steak, but you begin with milk and then move to more solid foods as they grow and gain strength. And in the process of, of gaining spiritual maturity, we need to be, be praying for God to strengthen us with understanding with the ability to believe and to trust Christ in us as we grow in our knowledge of His Word and ways. And sometimes that change can not only bring confusion, it can bring resistance. Perhaps you've been a believer for a while and maybe there's some area of your life where you just really don't want to see change. <laughs> Maybe it's a sin that, that kind of dominates or a situation in which you just want to maintain total control. 
The Spirit brings conviction to our hearts through God's Word. And and we need strength to be willing to confess and to repent and give over to Christ's Word in us. The Spirit's function is to strengthen our faith, to enable us more and more to, to trust in God's promise and power for us in Christ. And the Spirit works by God's Word to build our faith muscles so that we no longer live in the power of our flesh or in the, in the confusion or resistance to what God is doing, but trust His Spirit and trust Christ at living in us. Paul could say in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We need to pray for God to strengthen us with power to believe and trust our souls and lives to Christ and trust Him to live through us. Is Christ dwelling in your heart by faith? Does He have ownership of your life? What areas of your life are you not believing or trusting or living in a way that reflects Christ in you? encourage you write that down make it a matter of prayer take time to pray lord strengthen me with power through your spirit so that i might believe i might trust i might walk in the ways of your son in this area give give me strength to know that christ dwells and rules even over this particular issue a place in my life we need strength to believe and to trust Paul also prays for us to have strength to know, and particularly to know the magnitude of Christ's love for us. Love is a, is a powerful force. We know that, don't we? We talk about being swept off our feet or, or blown away by love. And Christ's love for us, as we've already seen when, in what Paul has been saying about our redemption, is the most powerful force of all. Powerful enough even to raise the dead to life. And it is Christ's love, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that compels us, that, that drives us to live our lives for Him. So Paul prays here for strength, not just to, to know about love, but to comprehend it, to literally have it, ha- grasp it, to seize it, to lay hold of it in such a way that, that we experience its greatness. Well, how does that happen? It begins by being what Paul says calls rooted and established in love. When you become a believer, God God literally uproots your life from those things that you used to look for, for for nourishment and strength. And he, He plants you firmly in the soil of His love for you in Christ. He establishes your life firmly on the on the foundation, the solid rock of His love poured out in Christ's death and resurrection. And brothers and sisters, that's a sure foundation. Paul says nothing in heaven and on earth can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No storm that that comes our way can blow you over. No wind or rain or earthquake can, can cause you to crumble when you are rooted and established in the love of Christ. It's a sure and secure foundation and we need strength to to grow in that love to to see that love continue to 
be built in our lives. And Paul prays that we would be strengthened with the capacity needed to, to know and grasp and experience the magnitude of Christ's love. And he speaks of it in, in all four dimensions. Its breadth and its length and its height and depth. God's love stretches beyond any measurement. It is a love that Paul says truly surpasses knowledge. Isn't that interesting? He prays that God would give us strength to know something that there really is unknowable because of how vast it is, the magnitude of it. We can never fully comprehend or grasp it because God's love is constantly expanding. It's constantly filling and overflowing. It's like hiking the Grand Canyon or swimming in the Pacific Ocean or, or traveling through space in the universe. The vast expanse amazes us and, and we can never fully grasp their full dimensions, yet we continue to press on and explore and pursue and discover and experience and grow in our understanding of how great it is. And that's what we need to pray for, for power to know how truly deep the Father's love for us is. How vast beyond all measure. And so the picture of God's love here is one of what are inexhaustible dimensions. And the magnitude of that is seen in Christ's work on the cross. John tells us in the passage we read in his letter, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as a, an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus Himself said, Greater love has this, no man than this, that He laid down His life for a friend. And Jesus' love was even greater than that because He laid down His life, not for His friends, but for His enemies, for sinners like you and me. And so there on the cross, His love is wide enough to, to embrace an entire world of sinners. Jew and Gentile, black and white, male and female, young and old, servant and master, rich and poor, people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Nobody is outside the reaches of God's love in Christ. It's deep enough to, to reach down to the very depths of hell to save the worst of sinners. Paul knew that himself. He called himself the chief of sinners. He hated Christ. He persecuted the church. And yet Jesus turned him from murderer to missionary. From church hater to church planter. God's love is, is deep enough to reach you wherever you are in the depths of your sin. It is long enough to extend from eternity to eternity. We saw... A couple weeks ago, God loved you before the foundation of the world, before anything even came into existence. And that love is, that steadfast love never ceases. It extends in an everlasting love to eternity. And God's love is high enough to raise us up from slaves to sons, to seat us with Christ in, in all His vast Riches of heaven as heirs to God's kingdom. Friends, behold, what manner of love is this? It is the love of Christ for you. For you. And notice Paul prays for us to be strengthened with all the saints. With all the saints to comprehend that love. 
Friends, you can't fully understand and grasp the love of Christ alone. It is understood. It is grasped. It is experienced in connection, in fellowship together with other believers, brothers and sisters in the church throughout the ages. You can't really understand or experience or grasp that love apart from fellowship within the body of Christ. We are strengthened and encouraged by God as we as we do what we are doing here today, gathering to worship him together, to to hear and listen to his voice in the preaching and the teaching of his word. As we are serving and encouraging and, and admonishing and loving one another in the body. God is strengthening us by his spirit to know how great that love is as we live out that love together. You need the church. And the church needs you to know the immeasurable love of Christ. And we've seen that reality, especially in this past year. So Paul prays that we would have strength to to believe and trust Christ dwelling in us and to to know and understand and grasp His great love for us in Christ. And lastly, Paul prays that we need strength to be filled. Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees during his ministry, he said to them, you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. Why? What was he saying? Because as new wine expands in a wineskin, the old skin is, is not strong enough and it will burst. And what Jesus was speaking of specifically was about his coming to, to bring something new, to bring a greater revelation of God's glory, a greater sacrifice for sin. He came to bring a greater power of God's Spirit at work in people's lives. And the old way of relating to God through the priests and the law and the sacrifices, while that had been given to us by God, was no longer sufficient. It wouldn't do. Jesus marks the coming of something greater, something bigger, something weightier, a more full manifestation of God's glory. In Him, we have seen His glory, full of grace and truth. And God's purpose now, through His Spirit, through Christ dwelling in us by faith, is to to pour out His love, to pour out His power, to overflow with His grace and truth and mercy into our lives through Christ. And He is no longer longer content with, to display elements of His glory as He did under the old covenant. But now He has come to to fill His people with His glory through His Son, Jesus Christ. Life isn't any longer just characterized simply by God with us. But life is to be lived now with God within us. No longer is the temple the place of His dwelling, but but we as a church have become His holy temple with Christ dwelling in our hearts and, and God is filling us to the fullness of Him. Paul's ultimate purpose in praying for God to strengthen us with power is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now that doesn't mean that we become God. <laughs> but it does mean that we become more and more like God. Through Christ, our lives are changed in such a way that, that we, are, we are now directly connected to the source of all strength, of all 
grace, of all truth, of all love and joy and righteousness, such that that these things now flow into us by God's Spirit. And then they overflow from us into each other's lives, into lives of others around us. So to be filled to the fullness of God means that we we are empowered and strengthened to live according to His will. To love one another as He has loved us. To use our gifts and and skills at work, at home, or at school to glorify Him. To to seek to bring all things under the headship of Christ. I mean, think about that. If you are in Christ and, and Christ is in you, rooted and grounded in His love, God is filling you, He is filling us as His church to the fullness of Himself. We can't comprehend that. And that's the process of sanctification. It's the process of our being shaped more and more into the image of Christ. It doesn't take much, you know, to be filled and conformed to the things of this world. But to be filled to all the fullness, to be saturated and overflowing with the glory and grace of God, believe me, that is a stretching experience. And we need God's strength in our inner man to receive such a thing. So I ask you again, is that how you're praying for yourself? Is that how you're praying for the church? God, strengthen us so that we might be filled to the measure of all your fullness in Christ. Pour into us all that you have for us. Open us up to receive that by your Spirit. And are you positioning yourself to to receive the fullness through his word and in prayer and in, in worship and in fellowship together with his people? Are you walking in obedience to His will, overflowing in love and service to to Him and to one another? John reminds us if, if, if that love isn't being manifested in how we live our lives, then we have to question the reality of, of is, Christ, is Christ and the fullness of God really dwelling in us? But Paul says that's what God is doing. He's filling us to the fullness of Himself. What an amazing thought that God would pour Himself out for us and pour Himself in us through Christ's love that we might be filled, filled, completed, and overflowing with the fullness of Him. And Paul's response to such an amazing reality is to burst forth in a doxology of praise to God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according again to His power at work in us. Notice Paul doesn't pray here for us to be strengthened so that we can go and do. He prays that we would be strengthened for what God can do in and through us as his people. For strength to trust Christ living in us, to, to know and experience the greatness of his love, to receive and be filled with all that God has for us. And when God's strengthening power is at work like that within us, Brothers and sisters, there's nothing that he can't do. He can do more than all we can ask or imagine. Our prayers, they're nothing in God's eyes compared to what he can and want to do. And so we need to be praying big prayers. We need to, be, to, to, to come boldly and step out boldly in faith and ask God to do great things, not only because he is able to do them, but he is, he is willing to do great things in and through His church for His glory. 
And he does it as we receive the riches of his grace and live in the strength of his power together as his people. So we are like that big bucket. <laughs> Constantly filling and, and, and overflowing with the fullness of God's love in Christ as Christ dwells in us by faith and as God pours out the amazing, awesome, abundant riches of His grace upon us as His people. Christ has taken, res taken up residence in our hearts. He dwells in us by His Spirit. He has rooted and grounded us in His love. And He loves us with a limitless, unmeasurable love. And He fills us to the fullness of God the Father. So the question, the last question I have is, are you connected to the source? Are you trusting Christ with your life? Have you accepted His sacrifice of love for you on the cross? Are you being filled with His truth and His grace and His goodness through His Word, through communion with Him and His people? If not, you can bow your knee before the Father right now. Ask Him according to the riches of His glory to take up residence in your life, to, to, to forgive you for sin, your sin and to grant you knowledge and experience of His love, to fill you with all His fullness. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how impossible such a thing may seem. God is able to do more than you can ask or imagine. And He wants to do it in you through Christ. And for all of us here, I challenge us to pray as Paul prays here. For yourself, for your family, for your church. Pray that God would do more than we can ask or imagine. And, and then get ready, get ready, brace yourself for an overwhelming flood of His grace and power at work in us and through us as His church. May He be pleased to do that. Let's pray together. Father, we bow our hearts and our knees before you this morning. And we ask, Lord, that according to the riches of your glory, you would grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And that we, being rooted and grounded in your love, Lord, would know and have strength to comprehend with all the saints how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And Lord, that you would fill us with all your fullness. For you are able to do so by your power at work in us. And we pray this in order that all glory and honor would be to you in your church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen.